So open your Bibles. This message is called Change Your World. And Dave has already started it. Thanks, Dave. Genesis 28. This guy's sharp. Sharp, man. Turn that music back on. Steve Roberts was starting to get a bit excited with that music too, and he's kind of starting to go home with that hair. Just needs a hat. Genesis 28. How awesome is this place? This place is awesome. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. The what? This is none other than the house of God. The the gate of heaven. This place. This place. You see, number one, you're called to access heaven. Number two, you're called to take heaven and change earth. This is none other than the house of God. This is an awesome place. Where else in the world can we come and do what we do and change what we change? You see, he was talking about, as Dave said, this was this man, Jacob. He'd had a dream. In that dream, you heard what happened in the dream. If you weren't listening to Dave, you missed it. A dream where God saw a ladder set up on earth, accessing heaven. At the top of it stood the Lord himself. And ascending and descending were angels. You see, that ladder, that land, that place is not the church. The church is just a building, but you are the church. You see, he wasn't talking about some building that is the gateway of heaven. He was talking about your life, that you are a spiritual being that can access heaven and change the earth. You are a spiritual being. So turn to your neighbor and say, You are a spiritual being. Turn to them again and say, you are a change agent. You are God's change agent. You are God's change agent. Number one, to access heaven. And number two, release heaven on earth. Number one, access heaven. I can access heaven. I can access heaven and bring heaven on earth. You see, God's got a plan. He's got a plan, and you're that plan. Who's going to go and see Mission Impossible 3? I'm looking forward to see that come out. You see, we've got a mission, and just like Tom Cruise, it seems impossible, but we can achieve it, right? We can achieve it, right? You see, God said, he said right at the start, go right to the front of your Bibles if you want to. Pick a verse right at the start, and we'll say something like this. Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. So what does that mean? That right from the start, God's plan is he put you on earth. And he said, I give you access to everything in heaven. Use those resources and change earth. He says, fill it, be fruitful and multiply. So I'm working on that. I've got four kids so far. And we've now got this, this sort of Hummer van thing that can fit eight we're just going to fill it up. Fill the earth. Going to fill the earth. Yeah, no, my wife's not keen on. Easy, easy. Pass that one on. So God has sent you to subdue and fill the earth. 
He's given you access to heaven. He's called you to access heaven, take what's of heaven, and establish his kingdom on earth. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it for you because you are God's change agent. You are God's plan. God said, I see you. I see Biff sitting in the front row, and she is my change agent. I see Daniel, and I I say, Daniel, God's given you some songs to write that are going to change the world that you live in. God's called us and sent us to change the world. You see, Matthew 28, what if Jesus comes along? What does, he, does he bring a different message? Jesus, God said, fill the earth, subdue it. Jesus said, go into all the earth, make disciples. He didn't say go on to the earth and, and have lots of salvation meetings. He said, go into the earth and make disciples, people that walk according to the kingdom of heaven and change the world that they live in. See, God's got a plan to change the world. That plan is you and I. And that's exciting. Who, saw, who was here this morning and saw the pictures of Uganda? We're just going to put those up again. You see, God's called you to change the world, but he didn't take Adam and put him over the world. He took Adam right at the start and put him in a garden. You see, it starts with a garden, with a small thing. And, and God says, first, you've got to subdue and rule your own garden, your own life. Take responsibility for what you are. And then as you grow, then you can occupy the earth. Is that good? So have we got any large people that can occupy the earth yet? I want to occupy the earth. So we see it just like it is in Uganda. It starts with a garden, your life first. But in order to fill the earth, I must first subdue my own life, just like the land in Uganda. Now, if we can just flick up those pictures again, if someone can just turn the lights off. I want you to see this because this is something that God's just unlocked in me, and it gives you a picture to see exactly how God works. You see, that was the land we talked about. Now, before we came along and provided some money to buy that land in Uganda for the church over there, that land had no boundaries. It was overgrown. It was occupied by thieves and robbers. Are you getting a picture here? You can see that land. Not only that, but there was a gateway in that city, in in that land, and there was a snake occupying the land right in the middle of that gateway. Now that excites me because Genesis 28 says, this is none other than the house of God The gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. The place where we can access heaven and bring heaven onto earth. You see, now that is occupied. What did they do? Number one, you can turn the lights back on. Thank you. Number one, they had to purchase the land. Number two, they had to establish some boundaries. They had to mark out, this is our land. This is not our land. This is ours. This is where we belong. This defines us and who we are. The third thing they had to do is they had to clear the land. They had to clear the land of the vegetation. They had to kick the robbers and the thieves out. Right? The fourth thing they had to do is they had to then cultivate and turn over the land. You saw some pictures this morning of where they're actually cultivating the land. And and the first work over, it's hard work. There's a lot of work involved. And then finally, number five, they can actually start to build something productive. You know, that is a picture exactly of our lives. It says, this is other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. You are the church. 
You are the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the church. Don't look to someone else and say, Pastor Mike, it's, you've got to do it. Don't look around, but say, I am the church. I am called to make a difference in my world. I am a change agent. I am mission possible. I can do something here. Number one, we've got to buy the land. You see, Jesus has already done that for us. He's bought us. That is the salvation. Number two, establishing boundaries or clear definition. You see, God has called us out of the world. We're no longer connected. We're no longer one with the world, but separate. And we've got a new identity. You see, what fence does, it sets a boundary. It separates what is and what isn't. So I can clearly see who I am and what the world is. So there's a difference. When I become a Christian, there's a change that takes place. There's a boundary that's put in place. Number three is to remove the existing vegetation, the existing occupants. You see, before I was a Christian, I grew up in a world, as you grew up, full of humanistic thinking. If it feels good, you do it. You see, my land was occupied and overgrown. My land was not productive. You see, that land in Uganda, you saw it. It was not producing anything of value. God said, go and be fruitful and multiply. Be productive. And yet that land, although it could produce a great harvest, a great amount of fruit, it was producing nothing at all. You see, the first, that, that third thing we need to do is actually start to cultivate the life in our, and, and, and remove the vegetation, remove the wrong thinking, remove the value systems in our life that are totally opposed to God's values. And start to adjust their life. To cultivate our life means to start to build a spirit life. So I build into my life the values found in the Word of God. I build in a vital connection with Jesus Christ so that I can rise up every morning and connect with Him. Not just pray Shundi Bundi, but connect. As I stand up, I climb that ladder, I access heaven, I connect with Jesus Christ and obtain all the things that I need to be a winner in life. And then begin to build something productive. You see, God didn't call you just to warm a seat. He called us to change a world. God didn't just call you to warm a seat. He called you to change a world. It doesn't just start with, it doesn't end with salvation. But it's about us taking the word of God and applying that to our lives. Changing the value system in us. So that then I can build something productive that would feed the world, that would change the world. You see, so how does that look? That means I take the, the value system of God and I start to build godly character. I start to build values and, and boundaries in my life so that I know who I am and who I'm not. That I can walk through my life and I don't have to be determined by what people say, but I'm confident in who I am. Then I can start to build a godly marriage that values my wife. I can build a godly, mar- or godly family so that my kids grow up. They understand consequences. They understand boundaries. And they can contribute to society rather than being a draw on society. I can bring my godly values into my business so that my business grows according to God's plans and becomes prosperous and changes the world. Can you see that? See, God didn't just call me to sit in a pew and smile and sing nice songs. God didn't just call me to come to church on Sunday and sing and lift up my hands and shake and rattle and and go, ooh, ah, Jesus, you touched me again. Thank you very much. Are you hearing me tonight? Well, that's good. You see, the problem is, I know that I saw that land, and I saw the amount of work that was involved to actually clear that land, and I thought, 
I'm glad I'm going home to New Zealand. This, it, it, it requires a work. There were plenty of men over there that sweated huge amounts of sweat. It cost them. It cost them sweat. It cost them sacrifice of time. It cost them effort and energy. It cost them perseverance and patience. But they've achieved what they've achieved because they had a mind to work. The problem with us is when we see something, we see the obstacles or the things in our life that need shifting and changing, and we think, how could I do that? I'm not even, sometimes, maybe you're here tonight and you're not even aware of the situation of what your life is like. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, at a guy by the name of Elijah, who loves Elijah. You see, I love Elijah because his name means Yah is God. You see, who stood at the top of that ladder? See, the Lord stood at the top of that ladder in Jacob's dream. And he said this, he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and I'm your God. You see, Yah is God. The people around you may be serving many different things. They may have a, a culture different to you, a value system different to you. But in my life, Yah is God. Jehovah is God, the God who made the heavens and the earth. He is my God, and I'll live according to his ways, and my world will be changed because of that. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. Are you enjoying this? It's different preaching without an interpreter. Have you noticed that? I could get Dave up here and he could just repeat everything I say. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? You could do that. You could translate. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 18. Remember, this message is called Change Your World. God's called you to change the world that you live in. Not warm a seat, but change the world. But what we're going to do is we're going to uncover and reveal what's stopping that and what do I need to be a more effective change agent? It says this in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 2. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in New Zealand. There was a severe famine in New Zealand. Is that right? It doesn't say that. But what is a famine? You see, a famine is where there's a shortage of food. What did it say in Genesis 1.28 or 28 verse about 17? It says, 1.28, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. See, a famine is opposite of what God's called you to be. Complete opposite. Why was there a famine in the land? It says at that time, there was a queen called Jezebel. And she was an ungodly queen. And what she did is she controlled the atmosphere. She persecuted the people of God and shut them down, and she promoted the worship of a, a god called Baal, which is basically live by your senses and your feelings, live a humanistic way of life, be your own god if you want to be. Who's hearing this? We've got a famine in New Zealand. A famine is not just a shortage of food. But you see, the famine in New Zealand is we've got a shortage, a lack of godly character. How do I know that? I see the prison's getting fuller and fuller and fuller. We've got an absence of godly value in homes. How do I know that? We've got more and more marriages breaking down. We've got more and more 
abuse between a husband and wife, between partners. Is that right? We've got a famine in our land. We've got a famine because there's actually no borders. There's no values anymore. How do I know that? I see in the schools rising more and more is the problems with authority. I don't, I can't respond to authority. I see problems in the homes where children won't respond to authority. We saw in the paper just a week ago that teachers are starting to say that the children are becoming more and more unruly. We just can't control it. So what's happened? We've got a famine of godly values. We've got a famine of character. We've got a famine in so many ways. You know, in, in Uganda, we went to an orphanage in the northern part. And they're in that orphanage because they have to be there. They've got no choice, and that's the best place to be. I come home, and I switch on the television and hear the news. New Zealand is just about to set up 24-hour daycare. You can pay $300 a week, and you can put your child into daycare for 24 hours for a whole week. And I thought, far out. So we're going from an orphanage in Uganda to an orphanage in New Zealand. Are you hearing me? Have we got a famine in our country? Why have we got a famine in our country? You see, why did they have a famine in their country? They had a famine in their country because they forsook the word of God and started to follow after what they wanted. Rather than establishing godly values, rather than standing and occupying the land and removing the vegetation that was contrary, the value systems that were contrary to the word of God, they just let them just go however And so the fruit of this is an unproductiveness, is actually a rising national debt. And so just look at the country and you can see this. It says this, and you know what happened. You see, Elijah came and he started to speak. God said, Elijah, I've called you to go and be a change agent. I've called you to go and change your world. You see, Elijah was the man of God. He was called to go in and change the situation that he lived. You're called God's change agent to subdue and fill, to bring the world under God's authority, to bring your life under God's authority, to bring your school under God's authority, to bring your workplace and your family under God's authority so that there can be blessing and productiveness and fruitfulness. You see this, so we saw a great showdown. We see all the people of Israel, he calls them in, And he says, we're going to have a showdown. You've been faltering between serving God and serving Baal. Look at the the unproductiveness and unfruitfulness. You've got a famine in your land because you've been serving the Baal. But today we're going to have a showdown. We're going to see who's God. And they have the showdown and, and you all know the story. They set up a sacrifice. And the prophets of Baal, they, they do their thing and they go rah, rah, rah. And they pray, come on, Baal, give us fire. And nothing happens. And then Elijah stands here and he says, Lord God, let it be known that you're God in this place. Let it be known that I'm your change agent. Answer with fire. Lord, let your power come upon me that when I walk through my school, they know that I'm your person. That when I pray for that sick person, they get healed. Let it be known that I'm your person. That there's a clear difference in my life than the life of the people here. And God answered with fire and consumed everything. You see, that was a supernatural experience that changed the people. They they decided they would no longer serve the Baals, but they would serve God. Was the job of Elijah finished? 
You see, they'd had a supernatural encounter with God, like a salvation experience where they changed their allegiance. But you see, Jezebel was still in control. Just like in that land in Uganda, the gateway there, they'd purchased the land, they'd established some boundaries, we're now going to serve God. But the land was still overgrown. The snake was still occupying the gateway. If they did nothing more, would the land become productive and fruitful? No, and we see that. You see, it carries on in that story. You see, God hadn't called Elijah just to do that, but he called him to go. He called him to go down to the city of Jezreel where Jezebel was. He called Elijah to run down there, stand in the gateway, and call up to Jezebel and command her to be thrown down. You see, as he ran down, the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, and he ran faster than a chariot. Now, is that supernatural? God's with me. I'm called to do this. You see, God is with you. He's called you to go to China. He's called you to go into the prisons and change your world. And he says, I send my Spirit with you to empower you and cause you to stand up. But what happened is as Elijah ran and he gets to the gate of the city, empowered and fired up by Holy Ghost power, and he stands in the gateway. And you see, Jezebel knew he was coming because she was in tune with the spirit world as well, except it wasn't godly. And what she did is she sent a spirit of torment, a spirit of terror. And it says in, verse, in chapter 19, verse 1, it said, in, or just the, the previous verse, it says that when he saw that, let's read it out. It says this. 1 Kings 18, verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And Ahab told Jezebel all that, had all that Elijah had done and how he'd executed the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not slaughter you like you did to these guys. And it said, And when Elijah saw that, he ran. So what happened? God called him to stand in the gateway. God called him to occupy the land. God called him to change things in place. But when it came to the point of the crunch, he was intimidated and he ran. You see, what's that like? You see, we're, our lives are no different than that. Often we see, say, well, God, you've changed me. I sat in Bay City and, and I, got, I got saved. And I can see that, and I begin to occupy my land. I begin to work on some of the values that are opposed to God's values. And I begin to stand up on the inside and begin to build a prayer life. And then I come against rejection. And I say, ooh, that's a pretty big tree to clear. And I struggle. Do I, do I run from that, or do I stand and knock it down? Or maybe you're here tonight, and, and one of your things that you need to clear is, is maybe that's insecurity. And just as you go to stand up, this thing just overwhelms you again. You see, God's called us to be a change agent. But if we're not aware of what a situation is, and if, we're not, if we don't stand up under that, then we'll run and be intimidated and end up hiding in a cave like Elijah. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you're a young person, and you, you're giving your life to Christ, and you say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to be your change agent. And you say, I'm going to follow you. And then you stand up in your life. And then you go home. And you get ridiculed and you get mocked. And as a result of that, you draw back and you're silenced. You see, often what we do is we come on Sunday and we get pumped up and stand up. 
It's like, I'm the man, I'm the man. And then we go to work on Monday and they start to mock us for being a Christian. Or they'll start to beat you because you're a Christian. Or you'll start to, you don't even know what it is by the end of the week. It's like something has come, up, come over you and I was standing strong at the start of the week, but I'm just, what's happened now? You see, what happens is just at the point of standing and declaring who I am, this is God's ways, these are God's values, I'm going to stand his way and bring about a change in my situation, in my city, in my nation, in my family, in my business. You see, this thing will react because we're fighting a spiritual battle. I was talking to someone just yesterday and they're standing in their, in their job, in their workplace and they're just standing up and they're starting to declare this is who God's called me to be and they've got a situation that's arisen and, and the union in that work in his place of work, has come up and said, you can't do it that way, you've got to do it this way. But what he's realized is actually what they're saying is totally opposed to the word of God. Absolutely opposed. They're saying, you need to employ somebody because he's, they've worked the longest, as opposed to employing the person of the greatest value. You see, God doesn't pick you on loyalty, he picks you on faithfulness. He doesn't pick you just because you sat in a, in a seat for a long time, but he picks you because you've applied the word of God and I've stood up on the inside and I've done what God's asked me to do. Now pick me because I'm your man. And yet the value system of the world is totally opposed to that. You've got to realize that we stand, we fight a spiritual battle. And every day if we don't connect with him and find the strength to sustain us and strand, we will run. Then we'll turn up at church on Sunday morning and wonder why we can't engage in the worship. And wonder why we come on Sunday night and everyone's jumping up and down except I'm just so, just feeling broken again on the inside. Are you hearing me? And you see what happened to Elijah. It says this, that Elijah ran. He left his servant. He ran to a well called Beersheba, a place where originally he encountered God. He left his servant there at the place of encounter where he could have got refreshed and restored and yet he kept running. It said then he ran from the place of this well. He ran to a tree in the desert. And he lay down and slept and said, I want to die. And God sent an angel, an angelic encounter, and gave him food. And what did he do? He goes back to sleep. And then he runs, and he runs to this mountain. And it says he hid in a cave. What's a cave like? A cave is when God's called you to stand up and change the world, and yet you've been silenced. Maybe it's something on the inside of you that I'm trying to face this rejection. Maybe I'm trying to face the insecurity. Or maybe you've stood up and in your workplace that, that you come back and, and things are said about you in behind your back. You don't even know what it is, but something is just, it's like these words have come and, and under, underpinned you or undermined you and you feel like you've just been totally wiped out. And so you find yourself in a cave, isolated, alone, it's dark, you feel, is there anyone else here? Just like Elijah said, I'm the only one left. All the others are gone. Who feels like that? I'm the only one left, God. There's no one else. Where's everybody else? And yet, he was the one that had run from the place that God had called him to be. Often we get into a situation like that. And we think, God, what can you do? But I want to tell you tonight, God doesn't come with... A big voice to say, what do you think you're doing here, you, you filthy scumbag of a Christian? Just keeping your seat warm. 
You see, God came and he said, Elijah, I'm here. And it says then there was this mighty wind and it shook and blew everything in the mountain. It's like we almost expect God to come and speak to us and say, you just sharpen up. Or this great big earthquake that shook the mountain. It's like the school teacher that comes and just shakes you and says, what do you think you're doing? Or this great big fire that consumed the mountain. But God was not in the fire. And it says then there was this still, small voice. Just like God's speaking to your heart tonight. Saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You're hiding in a cave. I didn't call you to hide in a cave. I called you to be my change agent. What are you doing hiding in a church in Hastings in this crowd of people when I've called you to stand up in your school? I've called you to stand up in your family. I've called you to stand up in your workplace. I've called you to stand up in your business and make a difference. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah came up with all these excuses of why he was here. God ignored it and just asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, return on your way. Return back to where you came from. You see, there's many people here tonight I know. And you know inside you there's things that, that you're facing. And just when you think you're doing all right, you, this thing lays its head up and you get intimidated. And you step back. And then you wonder, what, where's God gone? And yet you find yourself in a cave. And God will say to you tonight, what are you doing here? There's a simple way back. You see, how do I stand and occupy my land? It requires some effort. But number one, I've got to take responsibility for my life. I've got to say, this is my life. This is what God's called me to to be a change agent. And I will stand in my place. Number two, even as Pastor Mike was talking about this morning, is I've got to rule my spirit. How do I rule my spirit? And that means I build a strong spirit and word life. I get connected into a local cell group, into relationship in a local church. And I begin to build a relationship where I grow in my prayer life with God. I start to spend time in the word. I start to spend time fasting and praying. And I find that as I do that, I'm strengthened. And number three, I stand my ground. I come into my workplace And they start to say this about me or they start to intimidate me or try to cause me to shut down because they're feeling jealous about what's going on. And I refuse to be intimidated and I just stand my place and I start to lean into God and I start to come on church on Sundays and I say I refuse to back down but I'll stand my ground because my God has called me to be his person. Are you hearing that tonight? Why don't you just close your eyes right now? I know there's people here tonight and and maybe you're here and and you think, my life is like that land. It's so overground. The reason I'm here tonight is because I I need some help. I don't know this Jesus. If that's you tonight and you say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my life to become his, to him to come into my life and become my helper, my friend, the person that would comfort me and strengthen me. My salvation. If that's you tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to put your hand up. You say, tonight I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Tonight I need him in my life to change me so that I can be a change agent in my world. If that's you tonight, you're here and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to put your hand up.
Say, tonight I want to do that. If that's you, anyone here tonight? These others here tonight, and you're facing things in your own life. Maybe that's insecurity. Maybe that's rejection. Maybe you're just completely unaware of the atmosphere, the spirit atmosphere around your life, and you say, hey, as you've been speaking, I know that the Spirit of God's been stirring in me to better stand up, and I'm just completely unaware of these things that have just overwhelmed me. I carry everyone else's atmosphere, let alone carrying the spirit atmosphere of God about my life. If that's you, tonight I want you to quickly put up your hand. Say, I'm facing some things in my life. I've got to beat down this rejection, this insecurity, this fear. Maybe that's something for you. And there's others here tonight, and you say, you say, my life, I've stand up, and, and I've been applying the Word of God, but then I go and I've stood in my workplace, and I've just been overwhelmed by the atmosphere in that place. Or maybe you're, you're a young person, and you say, I'm standing up for God, then you go home and you get ridiculed and mocked by your family, and it just knocks you on the inside. And so you find yourself hiding in a cave, isolated and alone. God to say to you tonight, what are you doing here? I've called you to stand. I've called you to stand and be my change agent in the world. Spirit of God, I invite your presence more. That you come and cause it to be a stirring in the hearts of every life here. That there would be an activating a greater awareness of the atmospheres around our lives, a greater awareness of the atmosphere that I carry, a greater awareness of your presence or the absence of your presence in my life, that I begin to stand and be your change agent, that I begin to stand and be your man, your woman in my nation, in my city, in my home, in my life as I stand up. Why don't we all stand up right now? No, 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 there's, I know there's people here tonight, and, and as I've been speaking, you know that something stirred in the inside of you, and you say, hey, I would like to stand. I want to stand and say, in my life, I want there to be a difference from tonight on. I want to embrace what God is doing. I want to be a change agent in my world, but these are the things that I need to face. If that's you tonight, you say, I want to make a difference. I want to work on these things in my life. I've been overwhelmed by the, the atmosphere around me. And I recognize that's my life. If that's you tonight, I want you to quickly come to the front. Come quickly to the front. You say, I want to make a difference. I want to be God's change agent. I want to see my family change because of God's influence in my life. I want to see my family change I want to see my business change I want to see my city change I want to see the suicide rate in my country reduce because we begin to stand up and embrace what God's called us to be what I want us to do is I want us to all lift our hands up with the music and just go down a bit we're just going to pray I don't want you to pray after me. Let's all pray this together. 
Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for sending me. Right now, I come to you. And I stand in this place. Great and mighty God. I come to you right now. And I acknowledge where I have fallen. Where I have withdrawn. Where I've held back. Right now, I ask you to come in, to strengthen me, to enable me to stand, to cause a new life to come on the inside, that I can be your change agent. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. But I want you just to lift your hands and begin to worship and praise God. As I stand on the inside, as I choose to stand up, as I choose to refuse to be intimidated or back down, that I will be God's change agent in my world. Thank you, Jesus. If I would just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your, uh, your word that came to us tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just open our hearts and we just receive right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just push off, Father, all fear and security. In Jesus' name, all fear of rejection. Father, we just push it off right now. Father, we thank you that if this is, Father, the house of God. Father, this is the gate of heaven. Father, this is the channel, Father, of heaven into the earth. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we pray that tonight, Father, you'd open our eyes. Father, you'd strengthen us. Father, you'd use us, Father, to see our community. Father, to see our nation turned around. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said. Everybody said. One more time. Everybody said. Awesome. Come on. One more song.